everybody. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is going to be an episode for all time. Uh, we're, we're rushing this one. This is about, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes or so after our beloved friend Jordan Bianchi had a moment on national TV, name checked by Rick Allen, confronted by Kevin Harvick in the, in the middle of the uh, Harvick Elliott feud. Uh, my name is Jeff Gluck. I work for the athletic. My coworker is the aforementioned Jordan Bianchi. Jordan, we, we just had a very brief moment here to uh, digest what happened. I got to play. Uh, of course, most of you saw the audio uh, or what happened. Jordan was just trying to do his job, folks. Just trying to do his job. Just trying to get a video. And here's what happened. How does that affect both drivers later on? Jordan Bianchi there, uh, beat reporters. NASCAR. Harvick saying, hey, look, man, I'm trying to have a conversation. Chase and I just have a conversation. I really don't want your video in this. But <laughs> Jordan doesn't care. <laughs> And then Jordan, you drove them into, uh, <laughs> into Elliot's holler. First of all, look, look, I, before you say anything, I am completely on team Jordan. You're doing your job. The irony of all this is this. We all saw this on national TV. They were being filmed anyway. And yet he didn't want to be filmed. I don't know if they thought they had a private moment going on or something. Um, Jordan, how, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm fine. I mean, I really don't have much to say. I'm not. I don't want to be part of this. I'm not part of this. I'm just doing my job. And our job is to document what's going on. And they were in a public setting where we had access to, and it's our job to be there. I was the closest media member out of a group of us that were there. Um, and they took exception to that, which I completely understand. I understand why they were frustrated and everything. I don't really have anything else to say because I have, I'm not, this isn't my story. And I was just doing my job. Well, you you probably uh, I have you had had a chance to look at Twitter yet? I mean, this just happened moments ago, really. So. I've had not had a chance to look at Twitter. My phone is going crazy. I don't know. Okay, what yeah. Well, I hate said. to break it to I'm, you, but I'm you're a little little nervous to look at my phone and see what's being said. You're you're part of the story. Uh, unfortunately, I, I get I get what you're saying, and I and I understand your reticence, and you're sort of just digesting this all. I totally get that. I'm of course. I just had the pleasure of watching this on national TV and, and I'm not in the moment. I didn't get yelled at by Harvick. I have been yelled at by Harvick before. Um, who's told me to uh, get the F out of his face before and stuff like that. But, um, no, I, I, I look, um, you're, you were staying there filming. We've all seen a zillion times reporters filming uh, and even NASCAR on their social media channels and stuff. And, and NBC, um, you know, whether it was uh, Chase Briscoe and Denny Hamlin after the Indy road course, you know, they're getting the whole audio. They're playing the entire conversation. If you're in a public setting, it's completely fair game. Harvick was obviously um, just upset. He obviously said, you know, he wanted to rip Chase Elliott's head off after the race, after what happened. And we'll, we'll talk about all that, of course. But look, you, you don't don't be hard on yourself. You you didn't ask to be part of the moment. You're trying to capture the conversation at a different angle than other media people. I, I saw Nate Ryan's video and he's filming it, but Harvick had his back to him. Harvick just happened to see you. Um, so look, it, it's don't be hard on yourself. I, I think uh, you, like I said, you didn't ask to be confronted. He came up to you. Can you, I mean, you don't have to, but are you comfortable sharing what he, uh, what he was saying to you? We don't know. I don't want to, it's not, no, I'm not going to really share it. I'm not going to put the video out of him confronting me. I'm, there's nothing to be said. He was upset about the situation with Chase. 
And that's that. And un again, understand his anger and frustration. Get it. Been around professional athletes before in these settings. Not a big deal. Okay. Well, I, I respect you're trying to be a professional there. I'm enjoying it more than you are, obviously. Um, but I just, I don't want to, I just have a, I mean, I don't think media should make themselves part of the story. And I, and that was you didn't make yourself part of the story. He made you part of the story. <laughs> you well, were standing wanna, there I, I and he interrupted. To, I don't want to continue to push myself as part of the story. Cause I'm I understand sorry. that. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. I, there's, I, I could see where if you take it and you capitalize it, capitalize on it, and then people are going to say, Oh, you know, Jordan's just trying to do this and he's just trying to be, you know, make himself part of it and capitalize on it. Okay. I get that. But again, like you, to me, you're, you're an innocent bystander essentially of, you know, you're just trying to document it and, um, and that's what happened. So I, I look, I mean, you're, you're talking to somebody here who owes a lot of his uh, career success from his last job by capturing a fight on pit road on a video from cell phone. So you think I'm going to sit here and be like, you got too close to that. What were you doing? I was like well, practically in the middle of the fight. I, I mean, want to hear what they're saying. I mean, you had to get close enough to hear what they're saying. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. P part of our job is being in the middle of stuff. I mean, Bob Pockers is a Twitter header unless I'm, unless he's changed it is still a, an image of him being right in the middle of the Harvick, Jeff Gordon, Brad Keselowski fight on pit road at Texas all those years ago. I mean, we're supposed to get in the middle of this crap. We're supposed to be there to document it. Why is the athletics sending you there to this race if you're not going to document this stuff? So I, I look, I understand and appreciate what you're saying about um, not wanting to, you know, share the, the what he said and all that stuff. But uh, you did put tweet out the two videos, and you I noticed you edited it right before he confronted <laughs> you. So I, did. I respect your professionalism there. The, is it, the irony in this is that I picked Kevin Harvick to win this race, and I was actually pretty happy with, what, like 30 laps to go? I texted you and said, Harvick's leading. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had a couple bad texts tonight, Jordan. Number one, <laughs> number one, you texted <laughs> me about well, halfway through. Go, one was just to goad you. Yeah, one was to goad me. You said, this race is boring. Maybe they should put dirt on it. I knew that was a complete troll job, so I just kind of uh, – ignored you and said nice try and then like you said you, you know you've been on the harvick train you you're then the guy promoting you know saying hey harvick's got something here we should watch harvick we should pay attention to harvick um you know you've been saying that this you know even before the playoffs and so you text me look oh harvick's gonna get a win here looks like harvick's who's leading and uh you know yeah and then he he ends up yelling at you but um, this is a, this is a night where there's so much to talk about. I guess we don't have to dwell on this. It was weird. It was a um, weird race because I mean, I'll be fully candid. I think the first 200 laps of that race were pretty, pretty standard. I mean, pretty straightforward. There wasn't much going on. It was, I mean, the big story was Eric Almirola had an, a mechanical issue and it was, you know, and Kurt Busch was kind of sliding backwards and didn't have a great, good race car. And then the last, I don't know what, 150 laps or so, there was just a lot of twists and turns and, that was about as entertaining a elimination race I, we've seen in, I don't know, I mean, Roval a couple of years ago, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, let's put dirt on it again in the spring. So that's <laughs> that's the great solution. God, I've been biting my tongue for so long waiting for this freaking race, knowing that it was going to absolutely <laughs> kick ass, knowing that Bristol paved cement, whatever you want to call it, is by far superior to Bristol dirt. And I feel like a lot of people came around to my side this weekend. We'll talk about that. But listen, we, we can't jump ahead because let's not skip past what we thought of the Elliot Harvick situation. Um, I, I know you haven't checked Twitter. I tweeted, and a lot of Harvick fans are furious with me. I don't care because 
Um, it's just, it, it is what it is. Look, okay. When Elliot, when, when they made contact, okay. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot tries to go around, right? Harvick made a very, I thought very wide turn into the corner within the moment he cut down, uh, Elliot's tire. Like he did not, he was not at the bottom of the track. He, he was sort of kind of like floated up to the middle. It almost looked like he got loose or something. And then, and I like right, right when that happened, I thought, wow, was that necessary? Like that just seemed, uh, I don't know, like uh, why, you know, at that point, like you're going to race him hard enough to cut down his tire. Um, I don't know if it was a mistake. I don't know exactly what it was. Obviously Harvick was, you know, completely defined about after the race. But so from that moment, I was immediately like, oh, Elliot is justified. And whatever happens now, Elliot's justified. So then Elliot comes back around. He tries to cut Harvick's tire down unsuccessfully. And then he's like, you know, you know what? You know what? I'm just going to, as he put afterwards, uh, hold my line or whatever until I can help my teammate Larson um, pass for the win here. Now, I know people are, now Harvick fans, of course, are upset about this. Well, what a, this is manipulation, this is manipulation. You're, you're defending a guy, you're trying to stick up for a guy who completely ruined the Talladega elimination race by, with his fake caution spinning out Trevor Bain all those years ago. Um, I'm sorry, this, this comes back around. I don't think Elliot did anything wrong. Once he had his cut, tire cut down and, and it cost him the win, he's justified. He should have taken Harvick out right there, cut, cut his tire down. No. Um, no. Oh, okay. You What's your take? You What's your take? Well, you can't, you can't, I mean, now we're starting to delve into Matt Kenza territory. No, and no, we're not. No, we're not. He, he is, took his shot away at the win. You take it his, was, it wasn't Matt Kenza. That was, he wasn't even in the playoffs anymore. Don't think this was the Harvick's action to cut Chase. I don't think Harvick intentionally tried to cut Chase's tire. It was hard racing on a short track. These kind of things happen. We saw it earlier in the race with Hamlin and Larson. These cars, and the, and the drivers talked a lot about this today, about how they can't wait till the composite bodies come back next year because these cars, you just make a little bit of contact and these tires pop. And that's that. I think that's what happened here. You had two guys racing very hard. Harvick was trying to get the bottom line. Elliott was, was holding the top. And they were going through traffic. They made contact. It, it, it's hard racing. Could they have given each other more room? Sure. But it, it's a short track and the clas- closing laps will race. That's what you want to see. I don't think there was any malice or intent on Harvick's part to say, I'm going to cut Chase's tire. It's hard racing. Now, when Elliot comes back and if he's going to try to drive into Harvick and spin up, I, I take a little exception to that. I mean, it's like, you know, I, then you're, you're, he, he's, his act is deliberate and has purpose where you, like I said, at Harvick's, you can, you can make a case that it was, that was, it was an accident. No, 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 no. Kevin Harvick so many times. I, again, I completely agree with Chase Elliott. So many times Harvick has been in these situations and he goes, Oh, I don't know. Oh, what did I do? And it's what did, how did this happen? I don't know. I didn't do anything. Oh, well, that's just, this guy did must've did this over and over through the years. Um, Elliot's defense tonight was at Darlington. He got tired of racing me and he cut down my tire, blah, 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 blah. Um, obviously, you know, Harvick's going to deny this all stuff. And I'm sure Harvick, you know, I don't know what the outcome of their conversation was in the holler after you shooed them away or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I would imagine that Harvick is not done with this and thinks that he's going to need to get revenge on Elliot at some point in these playoffs. And that will be another intentional act. And then maybe he'll say, Oh no, that wasn't, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that again. Um, you know, I, again, I, it all goes back to the, the Talladega type thing for me. Um, in that elimination race where he needed uh, a caution when the green, white checkered rules were different, when the overtime rules were different to save himself. 
yeah, I mean, that's that was really bad. Uh, he got away with that. Um, everybody, you know, NASCAR didn't take any action. Um, that was that could have been a similar type scandal thing to the itching arm thing from Clint Boyer, but everybody just kind of moved on from that and said, "Wow, I can't believe that happened." And uh, he did that, but so um, you know, th- this didn't eliminate him. It just cost him a win, and obviously, he hasn't won in a while, and he's frustrated. But to me, again, it's a short track. Somebody races you hard like that, too hard, cuts down your tire. You have the chance to do that same, or hold them up a little bit. And they can't get past you too bad and their teammate gets past them and they lose. So I, I'm completely, uh, I I don't think chase did anything wrong there. Sorry. I mean, again, people are going to get mad, I guess, but, uh, we disagree. I I don't know. I think in the bigger picture though, we step back and this is a moment that NASCAR needed in a lot of respects with the right participants, because you have NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott standing up for himself, not backing down. And you've got the old guard, Kevin Harvick, who is, very popular himself and it's kind of got that old school contingent of fans there and you kind of got them butting heads. You've got the defending series champion. You've got the, the old uh, grizzled veterans still trying to hang on and make one more, you know, push for a championship in a, in a mid of frustrating year too, which I think we can't lose sight of the fact that this was Harvick's absolute best chance to win a race this year. And it's been one year since he last won a race, which I think plays into the frustration that this is, if this had been a Harvick last year, when you you're winning a lot of races, you might be able to let this one slide a little bit more, but when he slams his, you know, I think he slammed his helmet. I have to go back and look at it. He slammed his helmet um, into his car afterwards. That's a guy who is frustrated because he hasn't won a race in a year. They haven't had the year they want, and this was the opportunity. This is the moment that NASCAR needed at a, at a classic venue, short track, Bristol, Saturday night. This was this is a good thing for NASCAR. Well, first of all, of course, I agree with you. I mean, we haven't had some sort of like incident that of course I'm thinking, I think it's fun. I can still tell you're a little bit, uh, processing and shaken by your, uh, getting a little too close. I tweeted that you were sort of like, you know, these, you know, the people that go to uh, Yellowstone and they're trying to take a picture of like the, the, the bison, you know, they're like, Oh man, there's a bison. All of a sudden the bison like charges them like the tourists and they're like, Oh my gosh. Um, but again, yeah, all good, man. I'm not, it's not a big deal. I'm just doing my job. Not a big deal. I, I, again, I, I, I don't follow you at all. I, I think, I do think, uh, going back real quick, I, I do think you're kind of doing Harvick a favor here, uh, by not playing the audio. If it were me and people will think I'm a terrible journalist, maybe after this or that I would have capitalized on it. I don't know, but I would have come on the audio. I would have played the audio of him, uh, being a dick or whatever, um, right here on the podcast and used it to get our record numbers from our podcast. But, um, you know, you're, you're just not that kind of guy. So, you no, know, it's not going to do anybody any good. Okay, well, see, you're, you're playing the long game there. Jordan, you've learned from over the years. You've <laughs> calmed down from your aggressive ways, although this was an aggressive videoing, I guess. But anyway, um, I, I don't know. I, my, my head's all over the place. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, great moment for NASCAR, of course. Um, you know, the, the moment um, that comes closest to this, I think, recently was the Bristol Spring Paved Race um, of last year uh, oh, yeah. where where uh, Chase Elliott again was involved and he wouldn't even look at Joey Logano after they got into it. And then they let Brad Keselowski win the race instead. Um, this time Elliott took his helmet off. Harvick wouldn't take his helmet off until he took it off and almost smashed his glasses on the roof. Wait till you see this replay. He, he takes his helmet yeah. and like does this thing. His glasses are sitting right there. Why would you smash your own glasses? Don't do that. That's just going to cause you more irritation later. <laughs> I don't think he cared. I think he's probably got a backup pair of glasses somewhere. Um, Do you have a backup pair of glasses? Yeah, I keep them in my briefcase. Oh, well, that's good because he could have punched I, you in the face. I was thinking he was close to punching you in the face. 
I didn't, I will say, I did not say any words to Harvick, did not engage him. And I think in that moment, anything that would have been said would have not done anybody any good. Well, but who's, who, you know, Brett Griffin was one of these people texting me. Uh, I, I think, I think I saw Mike Davis tweet about it too. Who's the, you don't want to call out the dude in the, in the t-shirt, the random dude in the t-shirt. Who the hell was that getting in the I, way? I, I don't know who he is to be honest. I've never saw him before. Um, didn't have he was a, a big guy. I mean, he was tall enough to block your view. He was a big guy. Uh, he had a, he wasn't somebody who's in the industry, um, but I, I don't know who he is. Didn't ask his name. I like how you go. I like how he tells you, you know, hey, I'm having a conversation here and you drop the, you drop the video and then you, you like drop the phone then you brought it right back up and then he sees it again and you drop it and you try to bring it back up. And then the, the t-shirt guy, uh, you know, steps in the yeah. way. Very, very and unfortunate. They, yeah. And then they decided and they left anyway. Which, yes, yes. Which is, I mean, to be honest, I mean, if you're going to have that conversation and I don't think I, I this was never going to get physical. I felt like, cause I don't, you know, these guys are, I mean, th- these aren't, these, these are, these guys aren't drivers to get physical really. And they had ample opportunity to get physical on pit road. And initially when they met behind, you know, between the haulers um, and they just, honestly, they just want to talk. And it was pretty obvious. They just want to talk. Um, and they, they chose that setting to do it. Um, I, I don't know how it came about either. It was interesting because Harvick leaves pit road, Chase and Harvick split. Elliot went presumably to the garage somewhere. Uh, Harvick kind of lingered on pit road. And I, my job at that point is I'm staying with Harvick. Like he is obviously much, much more upset with Chase than Chase is probably with Kevin at that point. It, at least my perception. Um, but I didn't really get a chance to talk to Chase. I don't know this. Um, so I'm going to stay with Harvick. This is where I'm focusing right now. And then he starts to walk back towards the garage. I'm like, well, I'm just going to tap, you know, go along with him because just to see if he says anything, see if anything happens. Just you, you never, never know. Rule of journalism, just go after the story. And this was the story. And, and then as we're walking, um, he kind of stops. And then I look over and it's like, oh, Chase is here. And they start talking and having their exchange again. And I was like, okay, here we go. And, and at that point, it was pretty obvious. I mean, it was very obvious. This was not going to get physical. Like they were very close and they were animated and they were not happy with each other. But again, they had an opportunity if they wanted to get physical and it wasn't going to happen. And um, I'm a little surprised because there were some crew guys on pit road that, you know, how the, you know, the crew guys are. We saw this with Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano at Martinsville in 2019, like, these situations can get out of hand in a hurry with the crew guys stepping in. And, um, and they, everybody kind of the security and the, the police and everything did a good job of kind of keeping those guys out. But there was a moment there where it looked like it might get a little out of hand. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting now going forward because um, I assume that, you know, knowing Chase, uh, I, I would guess that, um, you know, by the time everybody gets to Las Vegas next week, He'll be like, oh, we've put it behind us. We're t- focused on this week. You know, Harvick probably won't say anything. But you can imagine, you know, every conceivable NASCAR podcast or show or article or whatever, is this is going to be the talk all week. Um, by the way, and I think you touched on it earlier, uh, and I, I meant to make this point. I, I love this version of Chase. I didn't. I wasn't sure we'd ever see this version of Chase. That's a good point. Um, you know, really getting, you know, st- to stand up for himself that way and just say, I don't care. Like, um, I don't care is- who it is. I don't care how long he's raced. Like I'm, I'm going to do what I think is right and stand up for myself. And, um, 
Like, heck yeah, that's that's what we need to see from these guys, We've you know? We've seen this before from Chase, though. I mean, we saw this with Denny Hamlin in 17. Remember when in Martinsville, Hamlin? Yeah, but he was he was like going, hey, what the heck, sure, man? Sure. But, no, 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 but yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, remember what happened a few weeks later at Phoenix? Elliot raced, Elliot, ha- Elliot raced Hamlin very hard, and Hamlin got into the wall because of it and ended up getting knocking himself out of the Final Four. So we've kind of seen this out of Elliot before. This isn't, you know, new behavior. Now, is it growing a little bit? You touched on the, you know, last year with Logano at, at Bristol. Elliot is somebody who is not afraid to, to race aggressively, not dirty by any means, aggressively. And he is somebody who now is certainly not afraid to stand up for himself. And that that's a, that's part of the process, the maturation. So, yeah, I, but I think we've seen this kind of coming. Yeah, no, I, I just feel like uh, we haven't really seen a chase that really wants to confront guys. Um, you know, we saw him after the the Kyle Busch uh, incident at Darlington last year, you know, he gives him the middle finger as he comes by. Um, But there was no sort of like, you know, post-race altercation. Now he was out of the race, you could say. But, um, and again, I go back to what I said about the last Bristol incident with him and Logano. Like he didn't even really want to talk to Logano. Like Logano staring down at him and, um, you know, you know, there could have been a, Chase was just kind of like, I don't really want anything to do with this, even though Chase was at fault in that one. Um, So, Anyway, like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think it's a, it's another step for him. Speaking of other steps, uh, man. Um, and I know it's completely shifting subject, but William Byron really took a big step in his, uh, career tonight. I mean, I think it was one year ago that, you know, he's facing, um, elimination and, and couldn't get it done, uh, at Bristol if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly. So, uh, what a run for him, uh, to really, I mean, really the, I don't, I need to go back as I'm looking this up, as we're talking and look at the exact points because it got so lost in everything that happened afterwards. Um, but man, it's just, it was a really tight points cushion. I mean, he pretty much, he finished third, but he pretty much had to finish there by, it only ended up by a couple points, I think. So. Yeah. And I think the, the important note with William Byron is, is that for much of the night, I would say three fourths of the night, they weren't very good. They, for the first half of the race, they weren't very good. They were kind of in the back half of the top 10 and, they were kind of up and down and they didn't look like they had a lot of speed. And he was seven, six, seven, eight points out, nine points out at one time for a good part of that race. And the thing that impressed me was he, the ability of that team and, and William to keep his composure and figure out the car and they got better and they were running their fastest laps at the end of that race and where they put themselves in a position to they didn't need to have someone something to happen to someone else. They were kind of dictating their own fortune at that point. That was a really, really impressive run. Reminded me of Dover last year, the second Dover race. They uh, Chad Canals with the crew chief. They have a horrible first Dover race. Um, knocks him really on the bubble. It looks like their season is going to go down the drain. Comes back the next day, same car, and they finish like fourth or fifth or something. Um, we, we are starting to see this out of William Byron and I, I, I'm a big believer in him. I'm a big believer in his talent. And this was a big step for him tonight to take a car that wasn't great for a lot of the night and, and figure it out and keep his head in a race where it's really easy to lose your emotions and let them get the best of you and, and leaves with a top five finish big night for him. Yeah. I mean, it really, uh, and, and Alex Bowman also, um, the top five gets a fifth place run to, get himself in the, the points bubble ended up being, um, two points. So Byron made it in by two over both Reddick and Almarola, I believe. Um, you know, Reddick had a big charge there at the end. Almarola, it looked like he was going to save himself with that oil line thing where they fixed it so quickly. 
and they're able to stay on the lead lap. And you're like, wow, that's a season saver, especially because he, he was plus eight or whatever for a while after that. But there was some restart where he just kind of fell back and then he just, he never really had it. Yeah. And and it just, that was it for them. And, um, like I said, Reddick was coming on strong, but you know, he didn't, he didn't really have the car for most of the night. A guy that really didn't have it was like Kurt Busch. That was the surprise of the night to me, like in terms of disappointment. I mean, you think, okay, Kurt Busch, Bristol, one of the Bristol masters, he's going to really come out and deliver here. And, um, you know, if ultimately if he had just even a half decent run, um, he, he would have made it, but he finished 19th. Like I would, I was thinking for sure top ten. If he gets top ten, he's in. We we talked about it. We did a preview post on theathletic.com this week, and we're kind of going over what our uh, Bristol predictions were. And you and I, I'm kind of paraphrasing, both said we believe in Kurt Busch. One, he's Kurt Busch. He's really really good at Bristol. Second, you know, most wins among active drivers there, I believe. Um, two, Jim Ganassi Racing has had speed in their race cars for a long stretch now, like really good speed. And so I, I thought he was going to, I thought it was going to be a Kurt Busch night, get some stage points. He'll be fine, get a good finish and move on to the next round. I, I'm stunned. And it, like, and to echo your point, not only is it surprising that he, he missed the, the cut, it was in the fashion that this did. It wasn't like he got into a wreck or anything like that, or you know, something broke. It was, they just were bad. Yeah. Uh, that was really surprising. It really was. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how to put a bow on on some of those seasons. Like, I, you know, I don't know how Kurt Busch, may, maybe he could have made it, uh, you know, another round, you know, given the veteran he is. I I, th- I don't think even if Almirola makes it or Reddick made, makes it that they would have been able to advance further. McDowell, um, you know, he was the obvious, the obvious out. And unfortunately for him, just nothing went well this first round. But, like you know, Curtis. we went. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know I was just going to say, I mean, the way we look at the next round with Las Vegas, which is a mile and a half racetrack that Kurt has had a lot of speed on this year um, in in those kind of races. And he's good in the road courses. I just, I mean, I was thinking like, I thought he was kind of one of those guys that you kind of had penciled in the final eight. I really did. So, um, you know, we we went from talking about how Hendrick Motorsports, oh my gosh, can you believe they're, they're, really potentially going to have we i think we both picked in our preview we both picked they're going to have two drivers fail to make it out of the first round how could this be and they end up both um making it that really uh you know came to be i also you know not to my own horn i did say in the preview that kyle larson was going to win this um you know i said it was going to be a larson elliott one two finish um you weren't weren't far off i mean to be honest elliott was going to be up there so we kind of had you a had Harvick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were close. We were close. Um, here's a question for you. And we've, we've talked about this th- this year, and this is kind of stemming from conversations we've had with people in the garage. Um, do you take anything big picture from this race and, and apply it going forward? Because I was thinking about that, and I don't really think you do. I mean, we, we, we know that – I think we know that Kyle Larson is good pretty much everywhere. Chase Elliott looks to be good. Um, I think the only big picture thing you can really kind of say is there seems to be something there with the, the Harvick team. The four team looks to be, they, they've had some balance issues with their cars. They seem like they have sorted that out. They were fast at Darlington. They had a good run at Richmond. Um, other than that, I, I don't know what big picture thing you can, you can take from this and say, okay, these next seven races, I think this is something we're going to have to be, you know, be mindful of. Well, given that, that it's a concrete track, I mean, James Small and Martin Truex Jr. perfectly previewed this after Richmond because we were talking about how JGR had won the first two 750 
horsepower package races. This was another one. And, but James Small and Truex have both said, you know, the, uh, the concrete tracks, Dover and, um, Nashville super speedway, we had struggled this year for some reason. And so that's why I thought, Hey, you know, um, Dover is sort of a bigger Bristol in a way. Hendrick went one, two, three, four at Dover. And -hmm. I just thought maybe this is where Hendrick strikes back, um, on a 750. That said, I don't think you can take anything from this because, um, when you get back to the 750, um, asphalt tracks, the, the ovals, at least I'm not counting road courses even, but, um, you know, you know, Martinsville and Phoenix is what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, th- I would favor JGR drivers still there again. So I'm not saying that the tide has turned toward Hendrick just because Kyle Larson won this race. Um, but round two is going to be really interesting now because, you know, like you said, it's a 550 race at Las Vegas. So you'd think Hendrick that favors them there. Um, then you have uh, Talladega, which who knows who that favors that that could be anybody. And then the Roval is, even though it's a 750 race, it's probably going to be, you know, an Elliott or Larson again, because they're so good on road courses. So, um, you know, this is, this is a race where you kind of want to avoid this round. You want to avoid trouble at Talladega, but you also might look to that to capitalize like, Hey, this is our one chance to beat the Hendrick guys and seal ourselves in. If we're not, if we don't have a lot of playoff points, one of those guys further down the standings, that's really, really where you're going to want to have like a good run there and gain some points because you might look at Las Vegas and, and the Roval and go, man, I, I think we're going to kind of get, kind of get beat here. I don't see a lot of opportunity for stage points or a good finish necessarily, or like maybe a fifth to 10th place, but not a top five. So, um, that'll be really interesting to see how this un- unfolds. This is my favorite round of the the four, um, just because the unpredictable factor and I, in talking to drivers today and our colleague, Nate Ryan from NBC sports, um, brought this up a little bit. I believe his colleague at NBC sports too, Dustin Long talked about this as well. When they were, we were talking to drivers today was they were asking drivers, um, out of these three races, Vegas, Talladega, the Roll Bowl, is Vegas the most unpredictable? And, and quite a few drivers said yes. Vegas, out of these three races, surprisingly, is the most unpredictable because they've kind of got the Roll Bowl figured out a little bit. You know, they, they know the nuances there. They know they had to settle in and everything. And Vegas restarts three, four wide in the corners. Guy gets a little bob- wobbly. He'll get into you and you, you crinkle a fender, cut a tire, and things can go sideways there in a hurry. So, this round, and then you factor in Talladega, um, I just like it because I think all three tracks offer a lot of challenges, and it's it's unique. And, and it's you've got a road course, you've got a super speedway, and then Las Vegas, which is a pretty racy mile-and-a-half racetrack. Jordan, is it not too late? Is it not too late? Even though the schedule came out this week, another, you know, boy, what a big <laughs> week for you. You broke the schedule news, and you're in the middle of all this. Um, I hope you're gaining some, some Twitter followers, at least from all this, but anyway, the schedule comes out, read our work on the athletic.com. That's all I ask. (laughs) Bristol dirt. Obviously we knew it was going to be on it again. It's Easter Sunday night in a, you know, NASCAR wants to capture this primetime spot. Is it not too late, Jordan? Is it not too late to change everybody's mind and say, okay, we'll keep the Easter spot. We'll keep it at Bristol, but that is going to be a second Bristol night race on a paved track on the concrete. Is it not to get, is there any possibility? Why, why would they cover this track with dirt again? Oh my gosh. It's you're starting to kind of sway me a little bit. Like, and I asked Christopher Bellis today and I said, you know, you, you like Bristol a lot. You're really good here. And yet they put dirt on it. How do you feel about that? And he's like, and Bristol's Bristol. I kind of like it the way it is. I want a dirt track on the schedule, but let's not do it at Bristol. 
Um, I go back to what I said last year, and, I, and I've said this many times before. I, I am fine with the dirt track race. I'm fine if you want to put dirt on Bristol and, and try to make that something. That's great. But I don't think you can take a that date, that spring date away from the, the paved uh, concrete track. If you're going to have a Bristol dirt race, Bristol needs three races a year. And that would solve all of the issues because you'd still have your two Bristol races as everybody be happy with. And then you could have your, your big blowout event um, that your TV partner wants and, and on, on the dirt. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, this is, I mean, I don't, is there a better track in NASCAR? I mean, Martinsville's got moments. Martinsville has moments, but the racing at Martinsville is long and tedious and it's, it can feel like lengthy here tonight, even the beginning of that race. And we talked about it, it wasn't the most exciting, but it was still entertaining to watch. There's always action. Guys are making passes, um, different lines. This is this is easily NASCAR's best track, and I don't think you can tell me otherwise. No, Martinsville. Um, you know, I think it's it's dipped a little bit as Bristol's really come up the last few years. And you know, to me, like I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not again. I'm not opposed to dirt as a principle. Like, if you want to go to a dirt track and run dirt, like you said. Um, that's fine. But to take this one away, um, when we see, look, look at the three races this weekend. Okay. You had Chandler Smith going all out, uh, at the end. Now, you know, people can debate the John Hunter Nemechek part of that, but he was going all out to get past Sheldon Creed, get his first career victory. Uh, you know, that was, a, that was an exciting race, exciting finish. Then the Xfinity race with Almendinger and Sindrick and Al Geyer in there. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is like the race of the year. No way can this be top. This is unbelievable. Like this is just insane. Incredible. And then the cup race was phenomenal. It was fantastic. Uh, very thrilling. And I even thought, um, you know, there's some elimination races, Jordan, where like, uh, like it, it's only a good race really because of the point situation. Like if you put that in a regular season, um, you know, you'd be like, ah, well, if you, if you, if you didn't have the cutoff drama of it, it wouldn't be that good of a race. Um, I think of some of like those, those Phoenix races when they were sure. in the, the, uh, penultimate race right before the final four at Homestead, you know, you're like, ah, it wasn't really good of a race, but you know, to seeing who was getting into the final four was good. But this tonight, you take the point situation away, just going for the win. Was that great. was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, exciting. Elliot, so Hamlin, Harvick, Larson, um, at various times all looked like they had the best car that win the race. I feel like I'm leaving someone else out there, but. It was very competitive. You had guys better over long runs. Um, and so they were able to move up there and make charges. Um, guys in short runs and were kind of assert themselves. Ryan Blaney led some laps tonight. This is It was a great race. It really, really was. And it just shows you that it's something we've talked about. It, it seems like it's the mantra in the garage, man. More short tracks. If you, you want to make NASCAR, um, you, you want to get NASCAR back on people talking again, more short tracks. And, and again, NASCAR is listening. I really believe that they want more short tracks. They're, look what they're doing at Auto Club Speedway. Look at what they're doing at the LA Coliseum. They they are hearing you. And I think this is good. And this is why, because these these put the drivers, the best drivers have an opportunity to showcase their skills in these kind of races. And it's look at the action you get. Look at the outcome. Look at the results. It, it's a win all the way around. 23 lead changes tonight, Jordan, which is tied for the most in any Bristol race since 2010 when there was 29. So um, a lot of different leaders, a lot of excitement. Jordan, 
I, I almost feel bad asking this because you've you've been through the ringer tonight. I see on your your face <laughs> oh, on the Zoom it's here. Not a big deal. You're uh, still you're still taking it all in. It's time for the was it a good race poll. I'm up two zero. Are you gonna let me sweep the the first round? What's your guess for this? Now now I think it's ninety percent. Okay. See, I was gonna offer to help you here. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Let's start over. What would you say? Like, I mean, how could you not? This has everything. We just got done talking. Right. About how that, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to say, just, I'm not saying what I'm going to say yet, but for reference, the number one all-time race in the Was It A Good Race poll is the Bristol Spring Race from last year that Kozlowski won after Elliott and Logano got into it. That is 94.9%. The number two race is the Bristol Night Race from three years ago that Kurt Busch won, 94.8%. So you're thinking so, that this beats it? I'm not saying yet. I'm letting you guess first. I'll, sure. What the hell? Why not? 95%. Okay. There you go. So you're calling it the all-time. I think it's you're saying everything this, you want. You're NASCAR's most popular driver, racing for the win, in a confrontation on pit road, factor in the outcome. You had a great racing throughout. You had playoff drama. Sure. What? And I'm sure I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to hear about it. I, whatever. It's the poll. No, I don't I, I, I really think that you're going to be close. I, I think this is going to be up there. I and I'm and I'm not trying to box you in here, but I was honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I no, like this, is, <laughs> this is my honest guess. I was going to say before that it, that I think it's going to be a 94. percent And the reason is, I think it should be. I mean, I should be 100. percent I mean, this is this is a phenomenal race. This if you is the don't best like, race. If you don't like this, then I, you, yeah. why are you watching NASCAR? Exactly. So I mean, this this is NASCAR, right? So. Um, yeah, like I, I think it should be 95. It should be the all-time record. But, you know, there's enough people out there in Twitter land who, you know, they just, they can never be happy or they're going to find something to complain about. Um, you know, one guy tweeted me after the Xfinity race and was like, uh, I mean, because Bristol had tweeted their own, was was it a good race poll after the Xfinity race? So they're like, we got this, Jeff Gluck. You know, we're, we're going to tweet this. And a guy wrote back and and to me and them and said, I judge races on the amount of lead changes and there wasn't enough for me. So I didn't think this was a good race. So, I mean, there's people out that like, uh, out there like that. And I just think that's going to slightly hold it back. That's why I'm going to say 94%. Sure. You're saying 95%. I, I, I think it's going to be very close right in the middle there. If it's any less than 94, I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it, but <laughs> you just throw it on top of the, all the other races that should have been a much higher than they were this year, and for whatever reason, they weren't. So, if this look, I, I hope this is the number one race. I think this is it deserves to be. Uh, I hope you're right. I hope you win this week. Um, I, I think this should be right up there, and you know, yeah. Um, wow, Jordan, uh, what a what a crazy night. I'm sure you have a lot of writing to do. It's it's already past midnight there. Uh, let's I'll, I'll let you get to it, but I want to tell everybody um, and. and Again, please believe me, I'm not lying here, but the deal to subscribe to The Athletic at 50% off has once again been extended. First, it was, I promise, like it was, they told us it's going to end September 13th. So I told everybody on the podcast, oh, only a few more days, a few more days. And then they said, well, it's going really well uh, This for the start of football season. Let's extend it to September 20th. So I said to everybody, okay, okay, it's about to end. It's coming up a couple more days. You got to subscribe now. Um, now they've extended it to October 20th, but that good news is we have lots of good content coming. I've got my big Noah Gregson story coming out, um, this week that I've been working on for a long time. It's going to be really uh, good, but you've told me about it 
I mean, I, this is an early kudos, but from what you told me, I think it's going to be spectacular and uh, good job. On I don't know part. about spectacular. I'm excited about it. I've been working. Some great work, man. It. Your, your uh, William Byron story from earlier this last week, um, going go karting with him, um, phenomenal, phenomenal firsthand experience. Um, really offers new perspective into William Byron and, and the efforts that he puts in. You've done some great, great work. You spent some time with Brad Keselowski. You spent some time with uh, Kyle Busch. Um, I call them your trio of stories. Um, and if you're not a subscriber, please check us out because I think Jeff is going to make you very, very happy that you're uh, reading our work. Well, and Jordan as well. And so to subscribe, um, please go to theathletic.com slash the teardown. Make sure that, uh, you know, we, we get subscription credit. Uh, we get noticed, you know, by the bosses when you guys subscribe off of our link, both Jordan and I do. And then Jordan can be in more situations where he can, uh, be the ire of Kevin Harvick, uh, or draw, draw Kevin Harvick's ire. You're shaking your head, Jordan. Jordan, you, you, I cannot wait for you to check Twitter and your phone. And how many text messages you have right now? Can you tell? Uh, I've kind of been going through a little bit here. I'm at, uh, 21. 21. Okay. I, I probably got almost that many about you. So I guess people want to text me about Please you. Let me know what they say. Cause I'm really, I mean, you know, I, uh, ho hopefully it's good things. Uh, and again, not my deal. Just, uh, just, uh, it was a mix of, it was a mix of, Oh, poor Jordan. That's very unfortunate to thanks a lot. Jordan, you chased them into the hauler. Uh, we have you to, to blame for that too. Oh my gosh, Jordan. Oh, can this I is ask, awesome. I, yeah. Uh-huh. Can I ask who, uh, who, uh, joke, hopefully jokingly said I chased him into the holler. Uh, no, just, just, uh, you know, I give a lot of, give a lot of people uh, my phone number. So, uh, former patrons, patrons okay. of mine who, uh, you know, people, listeners of this podcast, I mean, you know, yeah, I, they'd like to chime in. So, um, yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a driver or anything like that. Um, but Still fun to see all the our, opinions. I was thinking of a media colleague because I ruined it. Oh, okay. Else, so. Oh yeah. No, I'm sure plenty of people will um, make fun of you to your face. You don't have to worry about people make fun of your back. So <laughs> behind your back. Great. If they do that anyway, it's okay. I give them enough material. <laughs> what a night this has been. What a glorious night. Uh, anyway, Jordan, uh, good luck with your writing. Please be safe driving back. Once the adrenaline wears off, you're going to crash hard. Uh, so anyway, everybody, thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next time on the teardown.